Welcome back, folks, to Two Brits, One Puck. I'm your host, Mr. Intangibles, a complicated man and a working boy, Dan Masters, with my good friend, the East Kent, Elliot Friedman, and a bleach injector, Will Everett Human. Will, how are you doing? Not so good since I started injecting that bleach, I must be honest. You're kidding. I would have th- good news is, still coronavirus-free, so... Swings around Bad news, it? now you've gone blind. I, d- I don't know, I can't see. Couldn't okay, do. Christ. <laughs> you what are we doing? You can't be dropping that working boy. That's not you know exactly what you've done there. <laughs> Why do we never call on. male escorts working boys? I don't know, it is weird, isn't it? It just shows there's still a um, a divide when it comes to gender wealth. There's still gender equality. Yeah, we're, we're... Even if it comes to working girls and working boys. It's, uh... <laughs> but it, it, it's funny though, isn't it? It's rent boy slur. I feel like it, I don't feel comfortable saying rent boy nowadays. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely, I think it's a slur now. Even if you use it. Yeah, the same time. But yeah, right. maybe is, is, oh, there's a fuck, Christ, where the fucking start to the show? This is after a week. <laughs> is, is rent boy the male equivalent of calling a woman a whore or like a prostitute? Is it worse than calling a woman a prostitute? I don't know, like, I'd say the equivalent is working girl, but then working girl is definitely more subtle and polite. You'd say working girl at a fucking family dinner. Working girl's almost got some kind of, like, Hollywood-esque kind of ring to it. Like, it's almost, what's the word? Not like like it's something to be proud of, but... Nah. I don't know. Like, a kind of... I think think it's... Not glamorous... To me, it I don't sounds know. like you don't want to. You're trying to skirt around the subject, sort of thing. Like, oh, oh, she's a she, she's a working girl. You know, she she, she works, she works. But rent oh, okay. boy, that's there's no beating around the bush. Yet. You're you're a boy for rent. Do you think also rent boy is also like homophobic, a homophobic I mean, slur? Do I mean, you think or not? Yeah, it definitely can be used as a homophobic slur in in the same way like calling someone a, a dick sucker. It's in in a lot of ways a home homophobic slur. As, as we as NHL fans all too well know. Yeah, Christ, I'll say. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Fuck's sakes. But yeah, I, I don't know what the... I suppose whore would probably be the... Trollop? Would Trollop be the equivalent to... But it's... Because I... Rent, the words rent and boy by themselves, there's nothing... It's so literal. It's one of those things where it's a very yeah, literal phrase that has negative connotations to it. That's true. <laughs> I'm well, it's the what the fuck is going on? The thing is, though, it's the class. It's a classic thing, isn't it? If a guy slept with loads of girls, he's a ledge. If a girl slept with loads of guys, she's like some horrible slag who's got probably twenty. You know, and everyone's just like, "Oh, that's disgusting." It's, but if your mates had sex with forty women, you're like, "Oh, what a fucking lad he is! What a lad!" <laughs> and you think, "Well, <laughs> that's the thing. It's always been that." I feel like that's like an age thing, though. I think once you get to like your late twenties, it's I don't know. Unless you're some sort of knuckle-dragging twat, you don't give a fuck about how many people anyone slept with. No. If you're 25, and you're out with a man who's 25, and a woman who's 25, if the man slept with 20 women, and the woman slept with 20 men, the woman will get judged, and the man won't. As she should. For she should be patrolling her body around in in ways that the Lord our Father would not approve of. (laughs) <laughs> Whereas for a man, he's it's... just sowing his seed and carrying on God's chosen people. What's, what's of course, yeah, he's, he's got to be. A, he's got to be a top lad, hasn't he? That's the thing. Like a woman can only have one baby at a time, whereas a man can have as many babies at a time as he wants. So it's it's simple science, Dan. 
it's just, just logic, really. Just logic. Well, she has. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Of course. A, a woman has no bloody hell. Yeah, reasonable reason to be sleeping with multiple people, whereas a man does. Do you ever feel like? Do you ever feel like after we've had some of these conversations, you have to say disclaimer? Clearly, our tongues are in our cheeks here. <laughs> we don't believe a single word of this. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to accuse anyone of not being up to date with our entire back catalogue. But I'd hope at this point. But you never know. That yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. The tongue being in the cheek is kind of obvious by the tip of it sticking out the other side. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Here's something else then. Let's get <laughs> let's get off this show, shall we? It's, it's something else. <laughs> Coming how in about, hot this week. How about contraception? Get out. Eh? <laughs> so, religion. Right. No. Rob McGregor put out a tweet this week that was really interesting because it showed uh, something. I only, I only kind of noticed it when this when he tweeted what he tweeted. Kevin Keegan, a very famous footballer in the 80s and late 70s, had a meltdown on TV when he was a manager. And it's lived on forever. And whenever people talk about Kevin Keegan, that's all they seem to talk about. I mentioned in the tweet that twice Kevin Keegan as a player was voted the best player in the world. And it, it blew your mind because you didn't know that, did you? No. Like, I, I knew he was good. But I didn't know he was like bound or good. Literally the best player in the world two times, like back the, to back years as well. The heart trophy. And I said it's planet. interesting because, yeah, that's well, either way. Like I had no concept that he was of of the level to be voted in in the top three, let alone the winner. And like you say, back to back is is just insane. You can see the votes actually. If you look at the voting the second time he won it, it wasn't even. I think he had more votes than like second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth put together. Jeez Louise! He was miles ahead. Who, who, miles ahead. Who would he have been up against though? I know when he won it. I, I'm pretty sure the the second player twice was Karl Heinz Rummenigge. Okay. The, uh, the German player. Would it have been like Baggio and stuff like that as well? Or they, no, that was yeah, Baggio was later. Like... Baggio was around ninety, and he won it. I think seventy nine and eighty. Keegan. God. What, when he was 90 years old, Baggio? Ah, <sighs> you can tell you're a dad, can't you? Oh, definitely, right. without a doubt. So Rob said that on this tweet that a player this, you know, a player and a and a footballer this good, and this is all it's boiled down to. It's just this clip of him ranting and raving, and it brought me thinking about the NHL. And I just thought, in today's age where everything's captured and just lives on forever, you make one mistake as a player, or one thing happens, and that's all anybody thinks about. So I said to Will, could you, like, is there anyone you could think of? Because the obvious one for me is Patrick Stefan. You say Patrick Stefan to any NHL fan, coach, player, anybody involved in the game who knows anything about hockey, they know exactly what you're going to say next. And it's insane that this guy has spent all those years practicing, all those years training, getting up at six o'clock every day, going to the rink before the people, gets drafted first overall, is fine, a perfectly fine player, fair enough, first overall, probably should have been a lot better, but was perfectly fine. But all he's remembered for is that miss. And I said to you, like, could you think of anybody? So I, I thought of a few. I thought of a couple. So the first one, which I already said to you, was, was Logan Couture, which might be a little bit unfair. But for me, the, the only... If I think of Logan Couture, the only highlight that comes into my head is that one of he's in the corner with Datsuk, Datsuk has the park... And Datsuk digs him so much that he falls over and then just skates past him, which is <laughs> so a, true. An incredible, like nobody's going to play that on a Couture highlight reel, obviously. But yeah, I feel like that's I, I couldn't tell you any uh, any goal that Couture has scored or anything. And this is a guy who probably should have been could have been playoff MVP a few years ago. Not yeah. a bad player at all. The other one that I thought and like the whole process which directly links back to Keegan is I think this is easier to do with players who aren't playing 
incredible players tarnish their reputation as players by moving into coaching or management or ownership or whatever it might be. It tends to be off-the-pitch or off-ice exploits that tarnish a player's career. And the big one that really stood out for me when I thought about it is Kevin Lowe. I thought Kevin Lowe is one that's really, really done it because he's he's uh, standing up champion with the Oilers, got his bloody number retired. I, I think he's in the Hall of Fame. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I could tell you dick all about Kevin Lowe's as a player, and plenty of people couldn't, but everybody knows Kevin Lowe's a terrible executive who's arguably still responsible for the Oilers not being as good as they should be. That's not a bad point, that. That's not a bad point. Do you know which other one stuck out to me straight away? And again, it's a very personal thing because obviously you'll, like, everyone watches different players at different times, and so this isn't like a definitive list or anything, but the other one to me is Patrick Waugh. Is him storming off in the like where he concedes like nine goals, and you know the you know, I'll, I'll never play for this team ever again. And I know he won four cups. Who cares? When you say to me Patrick Waugh, I never think of some save he made. How many games did he have where he just won the game on his own, just put the team on his back and stood on his head and won the game? Pretty much all of yeah, them, ev- apart from that nine goals. Yeah, anytime you say to me Patrick Waugh, all I can see is him walking off, walking back, saying what he said, and then walking back again and, and disappearing. That's all I can think of, that's, which is crazy for a player that good. good. I think I think another another football one that may be a bit more like for the average bod rather than like a diehard football fan would be Zidane. Oh yes, oh that's really good. What's the only thing anyone knows about Zidane? Is he the headbutt on Marco Materazzi? Yeah, you say Zidane. What do you immediately think of? You, I mean, the geezer was on fucking Family Guy because of it, or his. <laughs> His, uh, his likeness was used on Family Guy. I doubt that was actually voiced by Zizou. And is there even another footballer that's been on Family Guy? Probably not. Like he... either, well, it would if there is, it's only either Ronaldo or Messi. Got to be right. There's no one else. Potentially, but I'd say yeah, the only way that Zidane's broken into the zeitgeist for those who aren't even sports fans is that headbutt. That, that's that's a, hard... a good one. That's a really good one. That, that's a hard one, though, because I'd still argue that that's the... Shining achievement in Zidane's career, anyway. <laughs> Just not giving a fuck so much, he's going to get sent off in the World Cup Wait, final. The last game he ever played, it's a World Cup final. He's wearing fucking gold boots, and the last thing he it's does on the football is what always like. Fuck it, I'm just going to nut this geezer, and that's it. It's over. I'm done. <laughs> it's beautiful. It, oh, I'm, I'm so happy that that exists as a as a thing that happened. Even oh. as a yeah, just as a, as a pure sports fan. Just just as a fan of, of life in general. What did Matarazzi say to him again? Oh, he... Like something about his sister his, or his, something like that? He, he called his sister a working girl, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's fabulous. <laughs> how, do, how does it always just come full circle? It's just, oh, mate. Beautiful. I but yeah, I think, he, I think he called his mum... Was his mum a pig or something? And there was definitely some sort of fornication with family members implied. Should we use? Should we go with the show? <laughs> Not that there's anything pressing, but I feel like we're just going to go round and round. Oh, do you remember this? Oh yeah, do you know that? Yeah, let's go on with the show, shall we? Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> In what 
I feel like happened about six months ago. The Winnipeg Jets have terminated Dustin Bufflin's contract and he is now a free agent. They've come to an agreement. He had a grievance against the Jets after they suspended him in September because he failed to report to team training. Lots of reports coming out the whole time, how they're going to fix this, how they're going to sort it out. And I'm sure, obviously, because of the pandemic, it's kind of brought things forward and all decisions were just kind of thought, you know what, let's just get this tied off in a neat little bow. Couple of questions. Where's Big Buff going next and how much money is he going to get paid, Will? Uh, he is going home and he's getting paid nothing for being at home, I would say. I don't, I don't think we'll see Buffalo again. Do you think he's really done? I reckon he's done, yeah. I'd be, I'd be surprised if he comes back. Not even a, not even a cheeky one year at Florida. <laughs> to, to Florida specifically. I could be done yeah. with, with, with Cranville. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, he might do like a one year at one mil or something like that. But he's, he's fucking old now, man. He's what, 34, 35? 35, yeah. 35. And I think to an extent if you're 35 and you've just sat out a year because you don't want to play anymore, <laughs> why would you Why would you suddenly want to come back? Think about this though. If there's a chance the season's going to start up again, yeah, he's, he's free. I know you, they shouldn't do this, but they will. People are going to ring him and say, get yourself in shape. If you want to play, we'll take you. I don't think people shouldn't ring him necessarily probably not for for this season even if you're allowed to sign players for this last bit but yeah definitely inquire for next season because i still reckon he'll be good if you if you can get yeah, even if he's not even if he's not top two like oh crikey you know, i like, mean worst case scenario if you get bufflin for one year one million you chuck him on your third pair and he's probably going to be better than a whole load of players yeah exactly but yeah I, I don't think he'll come back do you think he will yeah i do i think he will I don't think he, I, I don't know. I just get a feeling he wouldn't want to go out like this. I think he'd want to try and at least do one more year to just try and clear all this away and it not be a thing. He'd want to. He'd want I don't to know why. At least come back for nine games, prove that he can't hang with the league anymore, and then retire in disgrace. <laughs> and then retire, and the team has to eat up his five million what, like five million dollar cap hit for one year. <laughs> he's got to at least do that. He's earned the right to do that. He's earned the right to do that, and he's earned the right. I can I could also see I can see what you're saying though as well. He's a like big guy, and it kind of wears on your body more when you're bigger. You know, your joints ache more. You kind of don't have that speed where you can just kind of nip past people. If you're a big dude and you don't have that drive, or I think it wears on you more, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And not to, not to like body shame the guy, but we've had evidence before that he puts on the weight easily in the summer. So I'd imagine yeah. not only is there that big body hockey that's wearing on him. It's probably quite hard for him to get, not necessarily hard, but it takes work for him to get back to playing shape every year. So I know. Yeah, that, yeah it gets, I mean, the older you get, it gets harder and harder to get into shape, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. If, if my lazy ass was in his position, I'd say, fuck that, see you later. Yeah, millions in the bank. Why not? Yeah, exactly. And if he wants to go play in Florida, just fucking move there. <laughs> That'd be. Just to turn up at local rink and start wrecking fools. <laughs> I, I wonder, especially if if we end up looking at like a compressed schedule next year. Not necessarily a shorter one, but a compressed one. Whether that would influence him. If he's saying, oh, I, I would consider coming back, but I don't want to end up having to play you know, a game every two days for six months. Yeah, like a load management thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Or if, you know, the weird circumstances that are likely going to surround next season put him off coming back. I mean, I guess you could have it written to your contract, couldn't you? I'm only, I'm only going to play this many games or something. Yeah, maybe, but then who who would want to sign that contract necessarily? Dude, you know somebody will. Yeah, but then when you're signing a contract where you have you're promising to healthy scratch what should arguably be a good player every other game. I get what you're saying, but like you said, if he says I'll come back for 
you know, one last hurrah and I'll take $2 million or something. You're like, all right, yeah, we can't, we can't lose really. Yeah, yeah, he's worth taking a flyer on. But if it ends up with, with a situation of him saying, I don't want to play that much, I don't think he's going to be enough of a difference maker for you to sort of hamstring yourself like that because he will still, he would be a healthy scratch. He'd still be taken up an entire roster spot and however much on the cap. You wouldn't be able to like, put him on OTIR. It'd be like having a dead roster space every other game or whatever the stipulations might be. No, that's a fair point. Fair point. We'll have to see. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, linking Dustin Bufflin to our next segment, the Chicago Blackhawks. A bit of a surprise as president and CEO John McDonough has been has been let go by the team. I think he was hired in around 2006 or seven. Yeah. And he was pretty much seen as a you know one of the major pieces that brought them all that success in the early the early teens. Be surprised by this. It came about the blue, didn't it? Yeah, but I mean, out of the blue, in that he had the old vote of confidence a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? And just sort of why, why get rid of him? He's more on the on the business side anyway. He's not necessarily directly involved in the in the hockey operations sort of thing. I know he obviously oversees like the hiring and firing of GMs and stuff, but I don't get it. I don't necessarily understand his day to day role enough to comment on whether he was doing a good job at the moment, but. Bloody hell, they're still one of the most famous teams in the world and they haven't been particularly good to warrant that the last couple of years. What do you what do you benefit out of it? Just just one of those ones that I think unless you are Rocky Wurtz, you don't really know how good a job he's done, sort of thing. Yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah, now he's is uh, Daniel's taken over, hasn't he? On the interim basis. Yeah, Christ. So <laughs> Shameful. Shameful Ryan Lambert making a, a point in his column this week of did you see the list of people that are likely to get the job? No, I didn't see it. And I'll give you a guess uh, what links most of these people together. I'm going to guess they're all friends of Rocky Wirtz. Uh Well, maybe not friends of Rocky Wirtz, but all uh, the majority of them have been ex-players or current executives oh, in yeah. the NHL. And it's of course it's one it's one of those jobs where it's like you absolutely do not need to have played in the NHL to be a fucking Team president, arguably that's no. Yeah, McDonough a... came over from the um, from the Cubs, didn't he? He'd been there for twenty odd years or something, and he and he came over from there. He'd be, he'd been an executive his entire career, basically, didn't he? He was good at running a sports team. All due respect, but like people like Kevin Weeks are being fucking bandied about for this. It's like, what does being an AHL goaltender for a decade do to put you in in a position to run a multi million dollar organization? It fucking doesn't. It's, it's absolutely moronic. It's the classic, how many times I've talked about this, and it's just that I, I know that guy's name, therefore he's in the running. Yeah, he's... he's... Saying, do, you not, do you not interview people or... <laughs> What's the interview process? What's your name again? Graham Smith. I've never heard of you. Get out. <laughs> do you have a, do you have a hockey DB page? Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. You're on to round two, mate. Congratulations. Well done. Come back tomorrow. It's just like, to an extent, I understand... NHL playing experience to be a coach in the NHL, yes, that can be useful. To be a GM or a scout or whatever in the NHL, yeah, I can understand its uses. But to be the president or chief chief executive or whatever it is of what is ultimately uh, hundreds of millions of dollars corporation, a business, it has no bearing whatsoever. do, Do you think fucking Yarmir Yaga knows how to generate a PR sort of campaign to sell more jerseys in the local area. No, he fucking doesn't. And nor should he. 
It's, yeah, exactly. That's not his job, is it? It's just, as much as we rail on these teams for going back to the well with, with ex-players for the hockey side of things, that makes some modicum of sense. Do you think Asda are, are looking around and being like, you know, we need we need to get fucking David Beckham in here to be our president and run our fucking... <laughs> no, do you, know what it'd be? do you know what it would be? It would be a guy used to work at Asda stacking shelves, but now he works at um, QuickFit doing tyres. So Asda are like... You were talking before, didn't you? Do you want to be the president? <laughs> well, I'll just stack shelves. Yeah, but you know what it takes to be an Asda employee. So yeah. we need you. <laughs> yeah, you wore the uniform with pride. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I did write down a couple of things. I mean, McDonough, he brought back he brought back all these like ex-players as like ambassadors, so like Tony Esposito, Stan Makita, Bobby Hull. They created the, the Blackhawks convention, which is like massively successful every summer. He got every he got eighty-two games, all eighty-two games of the team schedule on television. Which which never happened before. I think within two years, I can't remember the numbers, but in two years the, the Blackhawks had gone from being like the hundred and twentieth best known team in America to twentieth or something like that. And the Blackhawks attendance is usually first in the NHL. And at the time of the the pause They'd had something like what five hundred and thirty sellouts or five hundred and twenty home game sellouts or something. I mean, that's ridiculous. He did an unbelievable job yeah, it was really, on the business really side good. of it. It's a weird one, and and the business side of it, especially like the team hasn't been that good for a couple of years. But what's that, John McDonald's problem? Yeah, exactly. They're still selling jerseys. They're still, like you say, still selling out and stuff. They're still having good enough relationships with the NHL to be considered for outdoor games. What what more do you want? But Maybe it's just an indicator that, that the Wurtzes want to end up clearing house and they're going to get rid of Stan Bowman at the end of the season proper and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's that's what it that's kind of what it is to me. Is it right? We're having a proper clear out. We're just going to start again completely. We've got we got rid of our three time cup winning coach. We're going to get rid of Stan Bowman. The president's gone. Okay, let's let's start again and you know start rebuilding. You can't really argue because it worked before. So why couldn't it work now? It still seems a bit odd. Yeah, definitely odd. I think it's it's partly odd just because of the timing. Like in in when we get to a proper off season, it might make more sense with other other moves being done. But for now, it's just nothing's going on, and they suddenly just <laughs> fire John McDonough. It's like, all right, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, that is weird, isn't it? It's just, there's nothing happening, and John McDonough gets like just gets the text <laughs> coming to the office. Well, <laughs> maybe maybe Rocky Works has just gotten really bored. He's just woken up one morning. He's like. I'm gonna fire John McDonough today. That's what I'll do. That's what I'll, that'll that'll spice things up a bit. That'll create some buzz. Maybe it's the ultimate John McDonough bit of PR, and maybe he's grown tired of it. And being you know the PR whiz that he is, the marketing whiz that he is, he's like right. I was going to step down after the season anyway. But if you fire me, that'll get us into the papers a bit more, and there'll be more buzz around the team. Bish bash bosh. Oh, he fell on he fell on his sword for the team. That's yes, what he did. Exactly. He loved Chicago so much he sacrificed himself for the team. <laughs> Just for an extra couple of column inches. <laughs> maybe. I mean maybe yeah, maybe he got wind of it. Uh, maybe he got wind of that he was gonna get fired. Maybe that's why he did it. If I get myself fired They'll have to list all my accomplishments like I just did. <laughs> and that'll be easy. Then I can get another job easily. Fucking People are going to be like, they fired John McDonough, the guy who invented the Blackhawks convention. Are they crazy? <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> he didn't want to like, upload his CV to Indeed.com. So I thought, oh, that's too much effort. <laughs> what I'll do is this. <laughs> well, he's too old for LinkedIn now. He's like, I can't be using a computer. I need to do this the old-fashioned way. I need people to just know what, who I am and what I do. 
do I have an affair or get myself fired? What do I? How do I generate some buzz? Hmm. And you know what? Let's just let's just say it now, shall we? Let's just say it now. There is a team in the southern east side of America that doesn't kind of have great attendance. He has a link there. Maybe Florida? Maybe? Maybe goes back to Joel? Maybe they have a little rekindling there? I'll put it out there now. I may as well, because everyone's going to say it. I thought you were going to say he was going to go to water. Ha! That would be unbelievable. That'd be incredible. Like the, if you want a challenge, bloody hell, there it is. I mentioned to you that we should quickly talk about the Charlotte Checkers and their relationship with the Hurricanes and how it's uh, it's coming to an end. And Allegedly. the Hurricanes are going to be... What? Allegedly. Not that the Checkers Allegedly. know that. Yeah. Alleg- yeah. Or have been told Allegedly. That. Yeah, allegedly, even though even though the Charlotte Checkers are already very much strongly hinting at that. And it looks like the Hurricanes are going to be linked to the Chicago Wolves, and the Charlotte Checkers are now going to be linked to the Florida Panthers. And you said you had a conspiracy about this, and I, I want to hear what this is. Well, so somebody, I saw somebody put it out on Twitter. Uh, I forget who it was, so sorry. You're probably not listening anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But somebody made the point that this could be like a plan by Dundon, which I'm, I'm wholeheartedly invested in. So he breaks his, breaks the, the what's the word I'm looking for? The link between the... Uh, the affiliation? The affiliation, exactly. Between the Hurricanes and the Checkers. Thus meaning that local fans aren't necessarily as involved, invested in the Checkers as they were because there's no link to the Hurricanes. In theory, Checkers yeah. uh, attendance plummets. The Checkers end up having to file for bankruptcy. Tom Dundon comes in and buys the Checkers on the cheap because they're doing so poorly and then reinstates the affiliation. Oh my God, please. It's going it's to happen, isn't it? That's such a... That's fantastic. That's a Dund- I like that a lot. That's got Dundon written all over it, isn't it? Do you know the best thing is, is when, you, when you've got somebody at the head of an evil empire like Dundon is and he's on his actual, his real job, not his side hustle, which is the Hurricanes, but his actual job... Conspiracy things like this kind of make sense, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Like that, there is nothing outlandish about that idea at all. No, I wholeheartedly believe it. You're like, wow, that's really sneaking, underhanded, and and pretty despicable. Yeah, I'd go with that. Because <laughs> so you just think, oh well, yeah, of course you would. That's what the that's the kind of person that you might be. This led me on to think about Tom Dundon a bit more, and I was thinking the thing that Dundon has brought to NHL ownership is ruthlessness. And that's something that we've wanted out of the NHL for quite some time. Be it that's true. Be it not giving legacy contracts to older players who have who are clearly past their best, etc., etc. But as as with everything, Dan, it's come at a cost because to have that ruthlessness <laughs> in business, you have to be a cold-hearted, evil motherfucker like Tom Danton is. Seeing he's just he's just hiding in plain sight, isn't he? Behind all the clapping. And the basketball on the ice at the end of the game, and the temping bowling, the devil's just sat there in his box watching, plotting all the time. I've built this on off the blood of minimum wage workers. <laughs> 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 He's a terrible guy, terrible guy. But yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fully invested in that conspiracy theory, and I, I feel it barely qualifies as a conspiracy theory because it's a very likely situation to play out. Yeah, it can't be a conspiracy theory when there's actually a high chance of this happening. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's like if you, you're betting the chalk at the races and you're saying, "Ah, oh, I've got a conspiracy theory that that horse is going to win." No. Yeah, <laughs> it is strange. 
something us as English fans don't really understand too much, really. But we've talked about teams relocating before, and how it just it it's happened once in English football in like the last hundred years or something ridiculous like that. Is, uh, and it was a MK massive, Dons, massive. Are they really the only ones hmm? who've done it? I mean, I mean, teams have done it, but I, certainly not in my lifetime, and that's forty years. And I would have, I'm sure, I would have heard off my dad or something of other teams doing it when the MK Dons did it. Yeah, because whenever it, whenever it's talked about, you never hear anything else apart from no, apart from the Dons. It it seems to be talked about in soccer, the oh, in, in English soccer especially, or this team might move, and then it's within sort of forty eight hours. There's like forty thousand fan protest, and it just seems to disappear. Whereas the MK Dons actually did it. They they took a, an English soccer team and moved them to somewhere else. But we don't have affiliates over here like NHL, AHL teams do to like send players up and down. You just have reserves. You have farm teams where you can loan players too, but it's not the same, is it? You can't just like, you don't just call them up and down willy-nilly. Yeah, that's more like was it? Who was it? There was like, there was like an Anaheim player, wasn't there, who'd been called up and sent down like 29 times this season already. I mean, that never happens. Like in England, even with farm teams, it doesn't happen. You might loan that player to a team for six months, but he stays there for six months. Even he doesn't sort of pop back in two. Even with like the reserves and stuff, like if you're called up to the first team in in footy, you're with the first team. Like you might only play five games that year, but you're with the first team. You don't. Yeah. You don't say the manager doesn't say, "Oh, you're not going to play Saturday, so you're going to go play with the under twenty ones or whatever." It's you're sitting in the stands and you're fucking watching, bro. By that same token, AHL, AHL teams must just be constantly looking over their shoulder all the time, just hoping that their affiliate just doesn't kind of do them over. Or like, yeah, we've had enough now. We're not kind of we're not going to stay with you. We're going to go somewhere else. You know, sorry about all that money you're going to lose, but what can you do? And we just kind of we just kind of accept it. It's but, very peculiar, and it's a strange thing where the AHL has to survive with that. Yeah, in in a lot of ways, the AHL couldn't survive without those affiliations, and it's it's such a like you say such a foreign concept to me when I'm I'm looking at if you look at like team rosters of AHL teams when they like change affiliate, the Chicago Wolves to the San Antonio Rampage that the Blues changed, or the other way around, sorry, that the Blues changed affiliates the other day a few years ago, and it's really weird seeing one year. You know, one team's got X roster with X players on it, and then the next year it's got all these other different players. And it's it's just odd seeing, especially when you've got like prospects mixed mixed in and such. So you've got a team going from having you know five or six players that you've heard of, you know, oh, okay, yeah, Jordan Cairo, Ivan Barbashev, and then the next year they're affiliated with whatever team, and you've got another bunch of well known players. It's 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 just such a weird thing. But it works. It, it does work. I think. I think it's a clever. I think it is a clever idea. But I do feel for these AHL teams. They can just. They, you can never rest, can you? It's, really, it's the fans, especially that I concern myself with, because it's so volatile, and AHL teams can just be. You know, where they're so reliant on the NHL, the owners of the NHL basically use them as pawns and stuff, and they're just not like with the San Antonio Rampage. You've got. Plenty of diehard fans there. They're selling that sort of seven, eight thousand tickets a game, and that. Then you know, Bill Daly comes along. No, not Bill Daly. He's a Golden Knights guy. Bill Foley. Bill Foley comes along. He's like, right, I want an a, I want an AHL team in Vegas. Yeah, unlucky, bruv. See you later, San Antonio. I know. It's one of those things until until you sit down and think about it. We just accept. You just accept it, don't you? If you tell so, my friend actually asked me about AHL teams 
and what does it mean when a player's called up and sent down, all that kind of thing. And I just said, I'll just explain to you what happens. And he said, well, that's really weird. I don't get it. And then when he said that, I was like, oh yeah, you're right. That is really weird. <laughs> I never thought of it. <laughs> I just assumed that's just how it is. Do you think Do you think football would benefit from having some sort of system? Not necessarily with, you know, not turning Port Vale into Man United 2, but having like that sort of system of, of loans... Yeah, the loan system applied. We're like, right, Port, yeah, Port Vale are Man United's AHL team, so they can send their youngsters down and call them back as and when they fancy. And do you know why I think it works in hockey? Is because you can't just, there's a cap, so you, you can't just go out and buy a replacement or get a replacement on loan. So Man U get like 10 injuries. Well, in January they can say, do you know what? To cover these injuries, we'll buy two players and we'll get three on loan or something like that. You can't do that in hockey. So, And, and especially I mean, I mean, yeah, the NHL is in the league. Exactly, exactly. It's not like there's five, six other leagues around the world that are playing equally. You know, have equal calibre players that you can get players from. So you got, Yeah, so in England, obviously, there's like soccer-wise, you've got the Premier League, there's Bundesliga, there's La Liga, there's Serie A. There's a league on in France. We don't have that in the NHL. It's the NHL, and yeah, there are players obviously who are really good playing all over the world, but it's they're not on an equal footing. It's the NHL, and that's it. It works for the NHL because I think that's ha- that is how it has to work. Whereas in footy, like you know, you can just go and you know, there's no salary cap or anything. You can just go and buy whatever you want in theory, can't you? So, but would there not be an argument that it's good for younger players, like say? <sighs> I don't know, say like a couple of years ago, Marcus Rashford isn't doing that well. He think, right, he could do some game time but of, a, of a good quality, so not the reserves, but we can't play him in the Prem. Send him down to the Championship for a few games, get his legs back under him and then bring him back up. They could have done that. Teams do do that though, don't they? If you've got a promising player, like look at Harry Kane. Yeah, but he went to Millwall, he went to Norwich, he was at Leighton Orient. Was it it wasn't like... Yeah, it, it wasn't... Like he just started for Tottenham and that was it. Yeah, but those, those were like season long. It's like, right, you're 18, let's send you out, get some championship games under your belt. It's oh, like, I see what you mean. Like, yeah, Rashford that, could like, in theory go down for five games and see how he does kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, start, and then just bounce start back. the season, right, he's not quite ready, but we want to keep him. Because even if you've got a loan, most of the time it's got to be at least until January, hasn't it? Yeah, I think I think you can either do like one month, three months or six months, but you'd never do a month, would you? That's like an emergency loan where you're kind of desperate. Yeah, and, and you're not going to do that with a young player because that's arguably going to be a hindrance to their... You know, if they're not ready after that month, it's a hindrance to their development. And you don't get any loans anymore that are like instant recall, do you? Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I think I think both sports work on the ways that they are doing it right now. Yeah, I think I so. just think it's... But then, but that's what I'm saying. Like we we know the soccer side of it. But if you said to somebody who had no idea about European soccer and you said, "We can just buy anyone you want," they'd be like, "What do you mean you can buy anyone you want? That doesn't make any sense. What do I get in return? You get money. But what's the point of that? I want a player. I'm, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, what, what do you mean you can buy anyone? Um, how, how is it competitive if I could just buy anyone I want? It's not competitive. Well, there, that's the point. <laughs> so, so if I've got a good player and and I don't think you've offered me enough money, I can just say no. So, well, yeah, unless the player's got a certain number in their contract, and then I can just say I'm going to pay that much, and then I can just talk straight to the player, and then yeah, buy him even if you don't want me to. So well, that's not fucking fair, is it? Can you imagine if hockey players had that. That's it. That'd be an interesting discussion. 
if hockey players kind of said it had in their contract, if you get a trade of this caliber, you have to accept it. Or like a, like a buyout clause and stuff. Yeah, like a buyout clause, yeah. But like you, a minim, minimum fee, like a minimum fee release clause. If you get offered two first round picks and a really good NHL prospect, you have to let me leave. I, th- I think it'd have to be like a, it'd have to be pick based though, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. I guess like, like a compensatory pick for a, a, um, a really good, an offer sheet. A really good prospect. You could just say, oh no, that prospect doesn't fit the caliber that I'm expecting sort of thing. So but then, to be fair though, who has who has the power in soccer? The players. Who has the power in NHL? The teams and the owners. There's the difference. Yeah, and, isn't and, it? And even more so, it's it's the rich clubs. Like buyout clauses benefit the rich clubs more than the small clubs. Yeah, that's true. It's and it's a combination of the rich clubs and the players. So the good players playing at small clubs use their leverage to get the buyout clauses into their contracts, which in turn benefit the big clubs when they want to come and poach these good players from the smaller clubs. Oh, I'd, I'd love, I'd love minimum fee, I'd love minimum fee release clauses in the NHL. I'd, That'd I'd, be so cool. I'd absolutely love it. That'd be beautiful. Yeah, if, if it was like, oh, if you get offered two first round picks, you have to trade me. But it'd have to be something like, but then you could tailor them to whatever you want, couldn't you? It has to be a first round pick, a second round pick, and a forward prospect who scored at least on average forty goals a season or something. <laughs> you know, to like really ramp up the price or something like that. A former first round prospect or something like that, like yeah, or something like that. Because, like, you get some amazing contracts then that said, like, you know, X, Y, and Z. It'd be, like, really interesting clauses and how they worded them and things like that. But then the the difference again, (laughs) as we prepare to do 45 minutes on buyout clauses. Contracts. um, You don't get as many good players or young good players playing for lesser clubs of their own volition sort of thing. So the, the the one I'm thinking of at the moment is, like, Moyes Keane playing for Everton, yeah. In theory, yeah, that's true. if Moyes Keane becomes as good a player as he's meant to become, he will be better than Everton. He should be playing for a bigger club than Everton. So I'd imagine he probably yeah, has like a 70, 80, 90 million release clause. Yeah, that's true. And he's the sort of player that you'd have a really a release clause, clause for. Like you know, your Thomas Lamar's or like when Suarez was at Liverpool and we had a £40 million release clause or whatever it was. And yeah. But you don't get that in hockey because either the young players don't have that sort of um, power of persuasion to get that into their contracts and the players who are good enough to warrant that wouldn't be signing for shit teams anyway. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's just a... <laughs> the Ottawa Senators the Ottawa Senators have meeting the release clause for uh, I don't know think of a really good young player yeah. Kyle McCarr yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like a fucking Taylor Hall signing for the Senators with a release clause like you, you wouldn't you wouldn't get you know you could do you know what though do you know what would make it interesting though is that teams would hoard picks wouldn't they so if, if you did it pick based the team teams could hoard teams who had loads of picks and the draft would become even more powerful because then they could say, well, we can actually meet that release clause. We've got a first. We've got like, a, it's, it's the, in theory, we've got an extra first, second and third. We don't need this season because we tanked or something like that. And we got rid of all our other players. Yeah, that would make... It would speed up rebuilds as well. That would make the league really interesting, giving them an incentive to not trade away their picks just in case they need them for a trade that they're not going to make later down the line. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think this is really... The more we talk about stuff like this, it just it fascinates me how two sports, it doesn't matter what the sport is, what the game on the on the field or on the ice or whatever it is actually is, the sort of 
the finances and the politics and the the actual administration of different sports leagues cannot be compared at all. It's just so interesting how the the basic fundamental like organisation of a sports league can be so different. It would take one player to change it because it changed in football because of Jean-Marc Bosman, who we've talked we've talked about before. He changed football forever. That's why it changed. That that blows and he went to court too. to do it. It would have to take a hockey player doing something of that nature, going to court in Canada and America and beating the NHL. And then say, well, now now contracts have changed because of player X. It's now this rule. It's the Taylor Hall rule or whatever, where a player has decided, I want this to happen. It's unfair because of this. And he wins his court case. But then I don't think there's anything inherently unfair about... Well, there are plenty of unfair things in the NHL, but not quite as egregious as the Bosman thing, where footballers were under contract with football teams for life. They were They were under contract. But not having it without having a contract. Yeah, like, there was no contract. Yeah, yet they were under contract. You, you, we're not paying you. We don't have to pay you, but you're not allowed to conduct your business elsewhere. And there's nothing. Do you not think it's like, you know, like an escrow thing or something like that? I think I think escrows, escrow is always an interesting one, really interesting one to me because it's not the player's fault that the money isn't made. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you see, you could you could do two hours on the whole escrow thing, but that's that to me is something where there's a. There's something there that a player could look at and say, yeah, do you know what? I'm going to challenge this as, as best as I can. I know, I know they never will. They never will because they just wouldn't. But that's the only thing I could think of that is even close, and it's not, but even close to like a Bosman type thing where you're being punished for something outside of your control Well, it's, financially. It's, it's going to be a big thing next year where there's like fucking oh, I'll say. 95% escrow fees. But Jesus, the, the last thing on the issue with that, I think... Not only is there nothing quite as egregious as the Bosman situation, if if I'm correct, I don't think there's actually a collective bargaining agreement in football between the the PFA and the FA or or, whoever, or FIFA or whoever it might be. So any any rules in the NHL on ice off ice or otherwise are actually agreed to by the players. Yeah, that's true. So to fair then, point. Fair to point. Then try and take the the NHL to court. It's a moot point because any judge is going to say, "Well, you you actually agreed to all of these rules." So yeah, but maybe maybe you didn't. Maybe if you prove that you've said, "Well, I didn't agree to it. I didn't vote for this." Yeah, and, and I get what you're saying because no, if you're... the if the vote passes like fifty two percent, forty eight percent, well, the vote passed, so tough. But is it tough? Because if you're one of the forty eight percent, you can say, "I didn't vote for this. I didn't agree to this. It's not my fault." That's not, in, you know. <laughs> Let's not mention 52%, 48%, Dan. That's not, that's not a helpful number. <laughs> I wonder why I picked those numbers out of my head. <laughs> so why are they so fresh in my mind? But I think the problem even still would be like, all right, Mr. McDavid, you didn't vote for that, but the majority of your peers did, and you are represented by the same organisation, therefore they represent your interests anyway, sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? I agree with what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. But if you, you give a good enough crack team of lawyers a sliver of anything... They can make it work, and I'm just saying you could you could argue that if you wanted to, and again, it would okay. cost millions, and you'd, they'd never do it because why would they? No. They're just so grateful to be there. But but yeah, you, you uh, could argue the entire CBA is is agreed agreed to under duress from from the owners. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. God, fuck now. Absolute XO podcaster. Oh, beautiful. Which will lead us on to our next point after this short message. We are on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and played as White Noise during SAS training. 
And if you could leave a five-star review for us, that would be fantastic. This part of the show is brought to you in conjunction with the amazing people over at Wave Intel. Let Jason and his crack team of statisticians take you through a myriad of easy-to-read hockey charts and data. This will be critical viewing when the season's back up and running. So get over there now. Wave Intel, online and on Twitter, being smart so you don't have to. So, Kurt Overhart, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, had an idea this week, which was that when the league starts back up, there's going to be obviously cap issues and there might be cap issues next season. He's promoting an idea that you have an exceptional contract in the team. And that's basically a contract that wouldn't count against the cap. That's as basic as I'm going to make it because there's tons of reading out there. He had this whole thing on his page about... Uh, by the way, Kurt Overhart is, a, is an agent for quite a few players. He, he's and an agent, basically, if you can think of a, a holdout of the last 10 years, Kurt Overhart was probably involved <laughs> in it. I think he's Josh yeah. Anderson's, Johnny Gaudreau's, a couple of other people. Yeah. He's a, he's got a post on his on his company's webpage and it goes into percentages and escrow and, and all this kind of thing. But let's just sort of boil it down to a very simple question, which is, Will, would you agree to an exceptional contract for one player per team? If, if there's one thing I'm pro, it's NHL owners, Dan, as we all know. And I don't think, oh, as we all know. Is, don't think this is fair because it's another way for the players to get one over. On, on good, hard-working people such as Jeremy Jacobs and Eugene Melnick, who should not be separated from their dollars, least of all by NHL players. I don't, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know is the serious answer. Like, I, I, I guess so, maybe, because there's a similar thing in the NFL, isn't there? There's an exceptional player, like a, flat, a franchise tag, isn't there? A franchise tag, yeah. And is, is that a similar thing? Mm, kind of. They mentioned in it that, and this will sort of move on to answering your question, is it's, to me, it's a bit more like Major League Baseball, where you have something called a luxury tax. Yeah. Where so you can, you if can you spend want to, over, your, over the You cap. can spend over the cap, but if you do it for one year, you get hit with a fine or something like that. But if you do it for two years in a row, then you start to lose draft picks. Three years in a row... It's like roster spaces are cut and all this kind of crazy stuff. So there are ways for it to not happen, which is... You can only fucking ice 14 skaters. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying, though. So in, the, in, in baseball, that's how they've kind of tried to get around the luxury tax. And teams will go all in for a season or two, and then they'll just like scrap everything. We've got nothing. Trade our best. Like The Boston Red Sox have just done it. They won a World Series, and they've just said, right, that's it. Everyone's gone. All our best players are out. We're just starting again completely, and that's what they—that's what they've decided to do to get to that World Series. Because the argument was, if you're a massive market team, for example, if you're the Leafs, your exceptional contract will be higher than a team like, say, Ottawa, because Ottawa doesn't have any players who are going to make eleven. Well, don't make any players that who make eleven million dollars. Well, he said it's an option. So how would you? So you don't have to have an exceptional contract anyway. You don't have to, and if you want to, you're going to get luxury taxed. Is it is it an argument then to just shift to a luxury tax system anyway? Because then you've got like half the league working on like a hard cap and the other half working on a weird luxury tax thing. And there was a little mention of, of it only affecting... The thing I read said something like if big market teams do it, then they have to pay a luxury tax, but small market teams do it, then they don't. Like there was a mention of, of, the, of the market size affecting whether you have to pay a luxury tax or something like that. Here's, here's my issue, is that 
I don't see the point of having a salary cap if it's not a salary cap. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's either there's either a salary cap or there isn't. If you're gonna, and like we said before, teams will always find when we when we talked about the David Ayres thing and how they talked about having like an extra goalie who only plays as an e-bug or something like that. Mm-hmm. Teams will find a way to fudge it. They'll, they'll find a way to get their other two goalies more rest. They'll they'll just find a way to do it. If you've got a luxury tax and it's kind of a soft cap, teams will find a way. Definitely, and, and it's another thing that's just going to benefit the richer teams rather than the small teams. Yeah, because say, and like we said, with with footy, that's what happens. The really rich teams are always the really rich teams. There is no change, even if you get like a new owner from outside backing, say Notts County. It doesn't isn't change anything. Like Notts County yeah. got bought by a billionaire. Doesn't they don't end up being the best team in England just because they've got the most money? It's because they're not. They're not old money, you know what I mean? I mean, the best example of this is Manchester City. They're the absolute best example of a team who were doing nothing and were then bought by billionaires. But, like, billionaires with a hard B. Not just a billionaire, billionaires. (laughs) And they had to throw obscene amounts of money at players to go and play at Manchester City. And it worked. And now they're seen as an attractive team who can get good players because they've had success and they challenge for trophies every year. So if you offer a soft cap in some way or if a team has to pay a luxury tax, they're just going to gobble up all the best players because they've got more money. Who's going to want to go and play in... Well, I can ask this question anyway. Who's going to want to go and play in Ottawa if they have a choice to not? You can go and play in Boston. You can go and play in Toronto. You could go and play in Washington or Pittsburgh or Edmonton where they've kind of got more fans and more money and they're more well-known. And it's it's not even a case of they've got effectively one roster spot outside of the cap. It's we can offer you more money because of it. It's not just saving money against the cap to give everyone else more money. That money is going to go in the pockets of the bigger of the better players. Kurt Overhart had an amazing point in regards to players, what they get paid and things like that. And the, in the 1999-2000 season... Mm-hmm. The four highest paid players in each sport was, so Shaq in the NBA made 17 million. Troy Aikman, NFL, was 10 million, uh, just, just under 11. Albert Bell, Bell, baseball, was just under 12 million. And then Yaga, NHL, 10.5 million. All pretty much the same. But now, 20 years later, Conor McDavid makes 2 million more than Yaga did. Whereas in baseball, the next the, now the highest paid guy makes $26 million more. In American football, it's $25 million more. In basketball, it's $26 million more. Whereas hockey's just stayed the same. And he's, and Kurt Hovard's point was, well, why are we still, why aren't we moving up with these contracts? Even like remotely from NBA, NFL and baseball combined, well, so, sorry, an average, you're looking at about 190% increase. Whereas in hockey, it's 20%. And, and, that's the thing and it's not like the NHL's losing money. Like the average player in basketball now makes more money than Shaq would have. Yeah. Whereas the average player in hockey makes half, if not a third, of what Yaga made. Which is insane. Which which is absolutely mental. And the, the the thing I don't get with like the cap as well is like where, where's this fucking money going? Like they got five hundred million dollars the other year from from Vegas, and they get another six hundred and fifty from Seattle the other, in a, in a year or two. How, yeah, it's how, not going to the players. How's the cap only going up by like two million? What, what do we, 
God, one of the first things we talked about on, on one of our first ever shows was the cap and how we said the same thing. What, what are they doing with all this money? Where, where's it going? <laughs> like, do they, does Batman just have a massive stash of billions of dollars left somewhere just in case something, some shit hits the fan or something? I mean, I mean, Christ, case in point, maybe the shit has hit the fan now. I don't know. It's all, yeah, but, but, but the shit's hit the fan. Where is it? We're still laying off arena workers and shit. Like, that's... There isn't... The, the money isn't there because it's in fucking... It's been paid for Eugene's court fees. It's bought Jeremy Jacobs another fucking yacht. It's bought fucking Tom Dundon another... <laughs> another, another stash of dead poor people's gold teeth. Like, it's... It's fucking... <laughs> <laughs> there's a joke for nobody there's a joke for one person yeah. <laughs> that, that's the thing though isn't it like it's as it, without getting too philosophical as has been exposed by this entire coronavirus situation billionaires never foot the bill fucking never no it doesn't matter never. what happens your billionaires are still turning a profit it's yeah like their companies can go into administration but they're still turning a profit it doesn't it, that's what it is Anything that, how, as I'm sure we said in that discussion you were mentioning, how the fuck is anything to do with the NHL not hockey related revenue? Like, what are we fucking talking about? <laughs> yeah, I think you'll find well, it's actually popcorn related revenue because uh, people only go to the arenas to eat the popcorn. They're not there to watch hockey. So it's, it's actually popcorn related. It's big popcorn. That's what's happening. They've taken all the money. Fucking big popcorn coming into our hockey games. <laughs> Yeah, I think from from like a player perspective and like a player's rights perspective, yeah, a luxury tax for an exceptional player would be fantastic because then players can get more money, which they deserve, and take more money from the owners if they're willing to give it. But at the same time, I can see that just becoming your top players get more in the um, you know any any money freed up by the exceptional player status will just be given to the Andrew Lads of the world to. <laughs> Sign even bigger, ridiculous free agent contracts. <laughs> who would be, who would be the first? Who would be the first player to accept that massive contract and go against the good rules of hockey, which is for the boys, and we all we're all in it together? Well, I don't know if it's if it's next year. It's probably Taylor Hall, isn't it? Oh yeah, good point. Because because he'd be like, right, I fucking need this money. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm if I'm gonna be doomed to being the most depressed player in the NHL, I better at least be getting fucking paid for it. <laughs> I'm going to need $18 million a year because I'll end up playing in some shit team again. So fuck it. I need all the cash I can get. I need a bonus for every draft lottery I attend. <laughs> Quick little point about this is that he made a point about Nathan McKinnon saying, you know, I'll, I'll take less again on my next deal because I want to win. And they think, why? Why should he? Why should he be taking less money than he's worth? That's insane. Yeah, but then for me, that's not a good argument because that's sort of... Yeah, Nathan McKinnon's own volition. Nobody's saying. Yeah, but is is it not is it not like a Stockholm syndrome type situation with some of these players? Yeah, and and there is an element of yeah. I don't. I'll say you've got like two pints of milk left. You're like right. I won't have as many cups of tea today, so it can see me to the end of the week or whatever it might be. Sort of thing. It's it's sort of that kind of mindset. Whereas whereas players in baseball, American football, and basketball drink all the milk and then go out and buy seven more pints because they can. The money's rolling in. I'll have a bath in the milk. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Get me a milk shower. That'll do. <laughs> but then there's there's an element of there's a couple of things that are going to go against this. Is a obviously the owners being willing to pay this money to these exceptional players, 
and b yeah. the the players actually being willing to exercise their right to be an exceptional player in negotiations if Nathan McKinnon's already saying I'll take less money in order to win do you think he's suddenly going to turn around and say actually I'm going to be a right dickhead and force Joe Sackett to give me 16 million dollars and have me as an exceptional player I don't I don't think imagine how ostracized how ostracized in the locker room you'd be if say two guys have their contract negotiated before you they take the standard rate and then you go in and take the exceptional player tag. Yeah, and that's that's already an issue. You'd be like, just like such a black sheep. Especially if there are then penalties around it that in the future mean that it costs the team. Even if it's just like a oh, second round pick if, you're, if you have an exceptional player for two years or whatever. Do you think the Nathan McKinnons of the world are going to be like, right, I'm going to happily cost our team down the line so that I can get paid? They're already not doing that. And the small market GMs would never agree to it, would they? There's no way. I think because, like we said, it would just make it would make them smaller. And because their owners can't afford to take advantage of it, so why would you vote for something that you can't use? And that's a good point. Did you hear that uh, Bill Peters has got another job? I, I most certainly did. In <laughs> now, I, I hate to be a xenophobe, Dan. <laughs> and yet, and yet, where, you're going to say something like, "Where has he got on this job, Dan?" Bill Peters will be plying his trade for uh, Aftermobilist, which is uh, in the KHL, which is in Russia. Are they the ones which... What's their logo? I can't remember. They, they, no, it's Agbar's with the Snow Leopard, isn't it? Who's the one with that like, yes. triangle where it just looks like a fucking oil company? Is that Aftermobilist? <laughs> There's some really... Oh, no, okay, yeah, they're, they're the red and black. Yeah, it looks like a, um, it almost looks like something you found on the side of a plane. D- yeah, I was I was thinking it looks a bit uh, a little bit World War Two, doesn't it? A little bit. Uh, it does a little bit, yeah, a little, a little bit, bit. Maybe a little bit Hugo Boss, shall we say? <laughs> Fuck's sake! <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying it looks a bit Hugo Boss. So is there anything? That's all No, nothing behind that at all. That's fine. Carry on. That's all we're saying. It's it's a good place for him to get to get a job. To be fair, because you can't racially abuse any African American players in the KHL because they're fucking out there. Apart from Nigel Dawes. There's a few. Alright, right, there's Nigel Dawes. DSP's playing in... DSP, China. I was going to say, DSP was one I was yeah, thinking D- of. DSP's playing in China. He's in a different fan country. He plays in the KHL. They're in the KHL. I so. I'm just saying. Ever. There's somehow even less chance of him encountering an African-American <laughs> in the KHL compared to the NHL. <laughs> I'm hoping, I'm hoping he said to his wife something along the lines of, Christ, I need a new job, but where am I going to go where I'm not even tempted to say the wrong thing? And his wife went, I've got it. No, it's, it's, it's not about him being tempted to say the wrong thing. It's him not having any consequences for saying the wrong thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you, do you know he's currently uh, contracted to after Mobilist? Aside, aside from the mo- aside from the most famous player they've got, who is there? Someone else I'm not thinking of. Whereas well, there's Pavel Datsuk. Yeah. Um, it's, not, it's Nigel Dawes. Oh, it's Nigel Dawes there. Oh my God, course, he is. You're right. Of course it is. Of course it is. Oh Jesus Christ. I doubt he'll be there for for much longer. <laughs> I think he's just been he's just requested a trade. So he's got a minimum release clause of no racial abuse. <laughs> he's going to be the fucking. <laughs> Balotelli to AC Milan thing all over again. Oh, Christ. I don't, what do you want me to say? Like, he's, he's a bad guy. He didn't even apologise for 
saying the n-word to Akeem Alou. Oh, sorry, sorry, saying saying the n-word in front of Akeem Alou. Not to him. Not about, it wasn't about him. That's fine. And he's got a job in the fucking KHL. Some fucking oil baron's giving him a, a fucking job because he probably has the same views on on minorities as, as Bill Peter does. Bill Peters does. So... I'm kicking myself because I should have I should have spoken to Gillian about the Gillian camera about this friend of the show Gillian shout out to you and got her side of it because obviously she's got like super close ties to the KHL and knows everything that goes on over there. Yeah, she. I'm be- wondering if any like any word had come out of the KHL about what he'd done or what people thought about this appointment. I'd, I'd imagine because it's easy for us to it's I get it it's easy for us to make jokes and say well he's, and everyone on Twitter said the same thing well he'll be fine in Russia then, but I I don't know I've never been there. I'm not going to pretend to know what the people are like. You can't just like say that they're all going to be fine with this. Maybe some are not. I don't know. And I, I probably should have spoken to Gillian really and, and got like a side of the story from her. It's all right, Dan. I can tell you for a fact that every single Aftermath <laughs> fan is a raging racist. Raging. <laughs> think think like Italian ultra racist. Like that's that's what we're talking about. Like Lazio ultras at the chain link fence, t-shirt around their face like a balaclava, that kind of racist. I have it on. I have it on good, good authority. <laughs> do you really? I do. I do. I do. And then, and then um, Pete Billers phoned me up and said, <laughs> "Don't worry, Will. They're all they're all racist." <laughs> Pill beaters. Oh, yeah, pill beaters. Pill beaters. Pill beaters. You got on the phone. He said, "Look, you haven't heard it from me, but." That team, that team. I'll be fine. <laughs> fucking SS Ekaterinburg. They're, um, yeah. Oh. It's just what happens. I like Mark Crawford went there, didn't they? After he got ostracised. Did um, did Mike, um, Mike Keenan coach in the KHL? I feel like he did. Uh, yes, he did. He's okay. coached in the KHL. Uh, Metalurg and Kunlun Red Star. There you go. So, but it's where you go when you're ostracised from the KHL. You go to the KHL because seemingly rules don't apply. So I might see if Jillian's. I might see if Jillian's free. Actually, get her on for half an hour, have a quick chat about it, and see what the the kind of lay the land is and how people feel about this kind of thing. Or it'd be good to know for our, if, our apology next week to all the aftermobilists. Yeah. Fans. <laughs> after we get, after we get sued by aftermobilists. All my resounding, I told you so. <laughs> Which is like, oh oh crikey, yeah they are. <laughs> So, Julian, good to have you on. I've heard uh, what are after aftermobilist fans like. Oh, they're terrible, mate. Let me tell oh, you, like crikey. absolute massive racists. They're awful. Have you heard of the so-called <laughs> IS? Yeah. Oh, oh god. But why do why do all of our segments end with someone saying, "Oh god"? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Will I've got no idea why. I mean, <laughs> couldn't tell you. <laughs> couldn't tell you. All right. Last thing this week. This is something. Just a little thing I saw that was I thought was really interesting. The Calgary Flames have signed a player dubbed the Norwegian Gretzky. Emilio Pettersson, the 20-year-old from University of Denver, he signed a three-year deal with the Flames on Monday, I think it was. He had a, he was a kid who had like he had loads of YouTube videos back in the day, and he was doing stuff like I think he was like like nine or ten or something like that, and he left Norway for America and you know was was chasing his dream basically. If you're dubbed the Norwegian Gretzky. Are you thinking this was more the kind of the all right? Yeah, fine. They have got this player. Whatever. Here was my question: Are you more thinking this lad must be unbelievable, or are you thinking, well, he's the Norwegian Gretzky? 
I'd be like the British Gretzky. It's nothing. Yeah. I, I, if you hear that, what what are you thinking? If you're being compared to a, an incredible player, and you have to have your nationality as a caveat, it's it's never good, is it? And it's a kiss of death as well. It's like I don't, I don't know how to do for the Senegalese Pele, but <laughs> Ronaldo. We all, yeah, we all know how that turned out. It's uh, I'm I'm sure he's I'm sure he's going to be good. I'm sure I'm sure he'll be fine. How many points, right? How many points does the Norwegian Gretzky have to have for him to be considered a success? We've got to have more than fucking Mazzucarello because Mazzucarello is Norwegian Gretzky already. You've you've got to at least have more than oh, who was that? Who was that geezer? Play for the Avs and the, the Blackhawks and Andreas something maybe. He wasn't very good. Is the long and short of it. Yeah. So he's, he's got to be better than he is. Andreas Martinson. Martinson. There you go. That's the fella. So he's, he's got, Christ. Yeah, I'd forgotten about him. He's got Jesus. He's, yeah, nothing against Andreas Martinson because he was perfectly good. But um, yeah, he's got to at least be better than Andreas Martinson. He's almost certainly got to be better than Zuccarello if he wants to be, you know, have the G word thrown in. I'm, I'm sure his kid's going to be fine and, like, you know, we don't, don't put too much on points or anything like that. Kid wasn't even a point per game at college. Almost was, but I think I think you're a, you're a bit of a bell end if you label a 20-year-old kid f- from from a, le- a lesser hockey nation in Norway and, and compare him to Wayne Gretzky. Uh, what, are you, what are you fucking doing? Don't. That's child abuse. That is. That's again. You know what? That's a great point. That is a great point. That who does that help? That's just that's bad comparison. That's bad player evaluation. You just said, oh, he's good. He's young. He's from Norway. Oh, he's a Norwegian Gretzky. Like, do, how do how do you know? I, I guarantee whoever called him that doesn't have any lay of the land of Pettersson's uh, sort of standing. In, in Norwegian hockey circles. Yeah, I doubt he knows whether the average Norwegian hockey fan back in Norway is, is hyped about this kid or not. It's like nobody calls the dries out or the German Gretzky, do they? It's a fair point. But they should. Maybe we will now. Maybe we'll start yeah, it. Definitely should. We're the, we're the first ones to do it. He does he does play for the Oilers. And he's the best that is true. He's the best centre on the Oilers, so <laughs> <laughs> Oh don't don't, don't don't shoot the messenger. I'm just relaying Jason's uh, Jason's apt analysis. But I think a bit a bit of a dick move. Yeah, the f- and I, I can't say I'm more excited for him than I'm more excited for Quinton Byfield next year than Emiliano Pettersson. No offense. Yeah, you're more excited for. Uh, let's quickly transition to this. Are you more excited for Byfield or Lafreniere? Oh, Byfield without a doubt. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm exactly I'm the same. Buzzing, absolutely buzzing. Like, like Lafreniere is such a. I'm sure he's going to be good, but there's nothing. He's, he's a bit of a nothing player, like he's too good at everything. Yeah, I absolutely agree. But Byfield could cut. Like, Byfield was the first prospect that I knew about before going to like junior. So when he was playing playing in midget, he was the first yeah. one I'd heard of. I was like, oh, there's this kid, couldn't Byfield. He's fucking nine foot tall. He weighs twenty eight stone, and he's just trucking kids. It's like, all right, give me a bit of that, please. I'm I'm excited to see what Byfield does next season if he plays. I want to see what this Stutzel kid's all about, the German kid. I think they're the two that I'm most excited for from from the draft. Like obviously, it'll be good to see what Lafreniere does, but I don't think he's going to be very interesting to watch if that makes any sense. Yeah, I get what you mean. He'll be good, and we'll go. Oh yeah, he's really good. Yeah, he's, he's good. Yeah. What what is there to talk about really? But it's 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 like 
I don't know, like say say you watch a game and Carl Hagelin's playing back in the day, you're like, oh, I want to see Hagelin because he's really fast or whatever. He might not be a very good player, but he's got like a defining trait that you want to see about him. And with Byfield, he's meant to be basically Eric Lindros. Dude, he's hold hang on, how old is he? <laughs> he's seventeen. He's, oh my fucking god. He's what he's, he's seventeen. He's six fourteen twenty, isn't he? He's sick. Yes, I'm, well, I've got it. Yeah, a bit low, but yeah, six three two fifteen. Seventeen. Oh my just god! Mental, just absolutely mental. And yeah, he's... yeah. If you you ask any you ask any true hockey fan what you're more excited for next season, Lafreniere deking four players and sticking it top cheese, or Byfield just murdering fools on a check. <laughs> like, yeah, I know what I want to see. But that's that's <laughs> the thing with Lafreniere. As far as I understand, from what I've read about him, he's not even that kind of. Deke four players like it's it's all people are all talking about like he plays a pro game he he has the good hockey like, like he doesn't have to deke four players because he's already in the right space so like he'll be really productive and he's a really good player that you'd want in your team but he's not necessarily going to be a highlight reel generator in the same way like yeah Braden Holtby doesn't necessarily make a lot of highlight reel saves because he's just in the right place at the right time whereas oh I definitely want to see Byfield just absolutely trucking past players. I really hope. I really hope the Sens get the first two picks. Even if they get to, I know there's like two in the top three. Not much of a chance of it happening, but God, I think, I think there's enough though. Depending on how we, there's enough, but nobody. I mean, Lafreniere has been like the consensus number one for ages, but Byfield has also been talked up a great deal, and the other players are all very good. But it is those two that everyone talks about. So to see a team get like <laughs> the clear one and two, and it'd be the Sens. Oh my god, please! That'd be that'd be crazy. That'd be crazy because even if yeah, like they get two in the top five and they get two fantastic players, you've never seen. Well, in my lifetime, you've never seen them get one and two. Closest no. closest we got was um, what Vancouver when they got the Sedims, wasn't it? Yeah, the Canucks. Yeah, two and yeah, two and three, two and three. So and even then, that's not one and two. I, I'm yeah, I'm really excited for Byfield though. I can't wait to see this kid. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be really good. Really, really good. Alrighty. Anything else from you, mate? Um, I, I did want to say on like a, on like a sort of completely unrelated note, I just, I, I think we've shouted him out before, but I want to shout out Joe Lysett, the British comedian. If, you know, for any of our listeners across the pond or, or in Europe haven't heard of him, like check out Joe Lysett because it, he's he's funny he's definitely funny but the thing that really appeals to me about Joe Lysett is his his activism within within the working classes within the UK he's currently got a series running uh, I think it's called Joe Lysett's Got Your Bank and it's all about like a yep. consumer rights show for him just protecting the public from these heinous massive corporations that are trying to exploit people and landlords and stuff like that like he's he's fast shooting up the rankings of most fantastic individuals on the planet and uh yeah, least of all for him changing his name to Hugo Boss legally just to piss off Hugo Boss. Take a minute, check out Joe Lysett because he's a good guy. And you know what? I'll be honest, right? The hockey part of the show's finished. I'm going to say one quick thing. You want to turn off now? That's totally fine. Go on. Shove your fucking clapping on a Thursday night at 8 o'clock up your fucking arse, okay? Right up there. Just shove it up there. I'm fucking sick of hearing it now because it's just bullshit. <laughs> it's absolute bullshit. Have you seen the videos the- of people on fucking Westminster Bridge? <laughs> Mate, how are you? <laughs> Fucking morons. 
don't know if people know this or not, but I work very closely with nurses in all different areas. I work with nurses who work at special schools. I work with nurses who work at hospitals. I have been in hospitals the past few weeks. I'm not there all the time, but I've been in with the PPE and all the thing because my job needs me to do that sometimes. Not one of them, not one of them has ever said, oh, I'm really pleased that people are coming out and clapping for us on a Thursday night at eight o'clock. No, they all think the same thing. I think the same thing. It's fucking stupid. Do you know what's better for nurses? How about better working conditions? How about more money? How about things that work? How about having enough equipment to go around? You know, things like that. And for our prime minister to stand up in front of the nation tonight and thank the NHS when various people in his party have tried to just degrade it to the point where it has to be privatised over the past however many years is infuriating. And seeing what I've seen around the hospitals and stuff, especially on the um, on the COVID ward, where you have to sort of have your, your PPA on for six hours at a time. You can't take it off. You can't have anything to eat. You can't have anything to drink. I mean, even in my limited capacity, we've kind of been run ragged. And it's not just things like that. It's like the knock-on of that. So people aren't getting emails for ages because we're so jammed, because loads of people are working at home. So any issues with IT aren't getting sorted quickly. So there's been an issue with the email system, which we all use, so people aren't getting emails which has led to a knock-on for me because I've been helping out at a school that has children in it with disabilities. And it means that they've had issues with their IT, but they can't get the thing fixed because obviously IT's emails aren't getting through. So it's causing like backlogs there. There's backlogs in ordering equipment. There's backlogs in getting just basic equipment. I mean, things that you wouldn't even think, things that aren't related to the pandemic. So we have we have filters that belong to machines that help children cough and things like that. We You couldn't get those filters because the supplies team was so behind because they're trying to keep up with everything else. They're trying to keep up with all the PPE stuff. And just coming out and clapping people on your street. I get it. I get it's meant to be, you know, a nice positive thing. And I, and I do appreciate that message, but just it, it doesn't help. It's just pointless. Cla- <laughs> Sorry. Clapping doesn't help if you're voting Tory if you're not supporting doctors and nurses when they're striking for better pay and better working conditions, if you're buying the Sun, if you're buying the Daily Mail none of it makes a fucking shred of difference if you do any of those things previously listed and you're clapping that is a purely self-serving save your ass from the fire sort of shit and it's not fucking acceptable and it's not going to fucking save you from jack the NHS should be protected and the only way we can protect it is by getting the billionaires in the Tory party the fuck away from our government and the fuck away from our NHS. I had to get that off my chest and out to a uh, to a public forum so it can be heard forever and evermore. It's when I <laughs> it's good. When I like to climb on my soapbox down again. I, I hope for some reason in a thousand years after the heat death of the sun, this episode is the only thing that's retained on on iTunes. <laughs> I, was like, oh, I wonder what the NHS was. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what they were talking about. That's interesting. Yeah, funny. All right. Thank you, everybody. Take care. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.